Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to take a look at what's been happening. Weekly export sales came in. Uh, Was there any surprises? Add to it this forecast as we're watching the radar and a system that is moving in. Hopefully some areas of Kansas getting some much needed rain. Also a little bit of friction going on with the trade. A return to demand and a China report that has come out from the gentleman that we have joining us today. And that's Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity analytics and mike let's start out with exports because i think everything today is going to kind of focus on what we're seeing globally did you see any surprises in the numbers that came out today i did susan and i think i saw the surprises in relation to how the market reacted Uh, we came in with 44.2 million bushels of soybean export sales that was up 80 percent from the four-week average china taking about two-thirds of it Meal exports, very strong. Bean oil exports above the highest trade guess as well with China, our number two buyer. But yet they were hit the hardest when news came out about the Chinese preparing to impose a national security law on Hong Kong. Essentially, the the way we're reading it here in the West right now as the Chinese get together in the National People's Congress, uh, what we're reading into this is that they're going to take away uh, Hong Kong's uh, uh, kind of pro-democracy uh, movement by just changing the law outright and shut down the uh, the, the, the types of uh, uh, movement that we've seen with these demonstrators and, and take away, therefore, Hong Kong's autonomy that has made it such a big, major uh, global marketplace uh, in the Hong Kong uh, stock exchange especially. Now, that was a surprise from a standpoint that the beans did that with really good export sales, but what was even more of a surprise was the pork export sales came in at a net reduction of 5,800 metric tons, China canceling 12,600 metric tons on the week. And, you know, that was one of those things when I saw that, I thought, well, how is that going to square with President Trump and China meeting the phase one commitments that they say they're working towards, yet the hogs were able to rally sharply off this news with the June contract leading the market. And I I think the problem may be for the hog market is it's not trading these export sales numbers, let alone what's going on with the the Hong Kong issue. And that may be by just because of one factor in the cattle on feed report coming Friday. It seemed to me after the cattle made a six and a half week high earlier this week, the trade really wanted to uh, delve into and push buying the hogs and selling the cattle, kind of unwrapping that spread trade, if I'm right about that, we'll probably see that show up after Friday's close and when we come back from the holiday weekend. Well, and that's just another factor that we need to look at and that we are moving into a three-day weekend, which gives you guys time to kind of look over and absorb what's been happening in the market this past week. It does. And, you know, one quick thing on the export sales as a whole that I keep looking at along with the weekly energy data that we got on Wednesday is are we seeing any demand slippage? And we're not really seeing any demand slippage. And I think that could have some significant meaning when we come back from the uh, holiday weekend, Susan. I think pre-holiday trade would not doubt it a bit if we remained defensive um, because of this issue with the uh, uh, COVID-19 and U.S.-China trade negotiations and phase one and now this Hong Kong news. Also, we're seeing the U.S. weather models and especially the Chicago forecasters seem to be picking up very, very big and, and making it very known that it looks wetter for the Western Corn Belt 
drier for the eastern corn belt, uh, warmer across the whole belt, and that's exactly what the, the crop needs right now at this stage of the game. So I think we'll be defensive going into the holiday trade, but maybe this uh, selling will remain contained, uh, especially given the weekly chart technicals being supportive and the fact we do have this demand market being really held intact. I really like the fact that uh, our export, or excuse me, our ethanol production is 23% off its lows. We continue to ramp up production, and yet we have the lowest stocks since uh, about February, pre-COVID time period. Talk a little bit about the report that you released when it came to China. Well, the, the big thing that I wanted to get out last weekend to my clients and subscribers was the idea that this goes back to North Korea and the U.S. relationship, that China was in the middle of that. And that when things didn't go well with North Korea, the U.S. really worked into the trade negotiations with China. And, and I think that's where the Trump administration's first term has been real interesting in that their economic trade policy and their foreign policy, especially with China and Asia, uh, is one and the same or very, very close to one and the same. I think as we go into the second term and President Trump tries to go after that second term, the Chinese may be one of his biggest problems, especially if he starts to ramp up the rhetoric against them when it comes to the COVID and when it comes to the phase one trade deal. In other words, they may enjoy or not mind at all taking that on because they don't want him to win a second term. Looking at um, China, I know this came from a from a listener wondering because of China, the retaliation that we're seeing from other countries as they start questioning China about COVID. Is China going to fight back by saying, hey, we're going to add just some tariffs to your products? Yes, I think they will. Uh, I think this is where the nationalist sentiment, um, President Xi is very similar to uh, Mao Zedong based upon the research that I've looked at in terms of how serious he is about making China um, the great country again that it was once uh, in the past and he's willing to take on a nationalist mindset and, and you know essentially go inward if he has to for a time period and also then at the same time kind of spend money and push his ideals and, and the, the, the dollars uh, out into those countries that they've developed with the Belt and Road Project. So I think he has a way to combat uh, the, his major trading partners for a time and I think they look at it probably like a zero-sum game why not try and take on these countries as hard as possible in the short term to see if they don't back off because they need us so much and because China does not mind a weaker currency that actually helps their exports more and that keeps the inflation down and therefore they can then stimulate their own economy well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up on a Thursday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Mike Zuzalo and uh, talking food in the sense of, Mike, I was just, um, and you and I were talking about this over the, the commercial break. I was in our local grocery store, and normally I see the three-pound packs of meat of hamburger but now we're talking the big tubes and they've got an entire refrigerated section just for these meat and you, you're talking as well that you're seeing that push and that discussion on the market side yeah in fact the number three uh, poultry producer ceo was talking about uh, their situation this week earlier and because of the cold supply chain being such an issue susan um, everybody is retooling. Everybody that can, I should say, is retooling. And one of the concerns I have is, you know, we've gone from $4.52 uh, 
81% ground beef uh, around the country down to about $3.80. But that break is not even close to where we need to be to hold on to the demand for the beef cattle side in comparison to what pork prices are and what chicken prices are if those chicken cuts and those pork cuts are available on the shelf. So it's a battle of shelf space at this point, and it's nice to hear about the tubes coming in uh, because the poultry people are really working hard on retooling away from the food service restaurants to a degree, but especially the schools and and some of the larger institutions that are going to have a difficulty uh, coming back to full steam for the next six months. They're retooling, changing cuts to try and change that shelf space in their favor. So it's a race right now to get the shelf space in these new types of cuts. And I think that's going to mean a lot down the road when it comes to the summer prices and especially early fall prices for fat cattle and feeders. And just to give you an idea, January 2015, we had 81% ground beef at $2.76 a pound. That time period, we had fat cattle trading at the Mercantile Exchange, $150, $155 in lead month futures. We're nowhere near that, and we're not going to be anywhere near that if we lose shelf space. But if we can gain shelf space from the other two and hold on to exports, that's a different story. Do you see us um, seeing any surprises tomorrow tied into the cattle on feed report? And, and how does everything factor into that? I don't know how we can't have surprises because of where the um, private estimates came in. Placements came in on the high side of 86.7%, and that's the high side. The low side was around 72%, but that almost 87% number was done by one person. Was And everybody else, that was a, there was only three out of the seven or eight or nine people that did it that were above 80% on placements for April, and that only one person was above uh, 81% at that 86.7%. So that and the marketing's number kind of a similar thing. The high number was 82.7% on marketing's. No one but the one person that did the 82.7 were above 80%. So I think this this analysis, this pre-estimate has really messed us up because of the COVID and the trade doesn't know what to trade. So I think that, again, goes back to our earlier comment about me thinking they're buying hogs here and selling cattle just to assure themselves if we get a bearish number, they've protected themselves in the fats, they being the funds. I wanted to jump back to the weather because we didn't get a chance to really hit much of that. We see a cell that's moving through. The western corn belt obviously is in need of some sort of moisture the guys in the eastern corn belt we need to shut the spigot off for them because it's causing problems so we're seeing both ends of this weather phenomenon we are and i think it's just too much to ask for we turn into a perfect weather season from the weather models and i was on with a colleague from red river up in north up in fargo area north dakota that you and i both know real well and he reminded me that the North Dakota Prevent Plant for Corn is coming up on May 25th. There are a few counties that go to the 31st, but the primary heart of North Dakota, who's so far behind right now in corn planting, is coming up on Prevent Plant. And we talked about, well, will they give a Prevent Plant? The farmers, will they take it, or will they just go for it? And he said, you know, given how bad it was last year to harvest the crop, they'll probably take the Prevent Plant, even though the Fed base price was so bad this year for crop insurance. Will the latest help that's coming from USDA that guys can sign up through the FSA, is that going to have a market play at all? 
It will it will keep the bankruptcies from going any higher than they already are in those key areas of the dairy and the and the northern plains where the Pacific Northwest has been shut off for so long. So I'm very thankful for that. But I think what it also does is probably going to keep our basis very very wide because farmers are probably going to hold a lot longer than they normally would from their 19 and their 20 crops. Real quick, anything else we should be looking at as we head into the holiday weekend? I think the best thing to say is thank you to all the veterans and, and especially those we've lost in the military and, and what they've done for our service uh, to our country. We can't thank them enough. Very well said, Mike. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalanalytics.biz and sign up for a free trial, and I'll send you the, the latest special report we talked about when it came to China and the U.S. relations. All right, that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.